is the place with the helpful hardware, folks. It's Ace's biggest LED light bulb sale of the year. Right now, buy one, get one free on our best-selling LED light bulbs. Our four-pack of LED bulbs is $9.99, and our two-pack of LED floodlights is only $12.99. Buy one, get one free. There's no limit on how much you can save, so stock up now. Hurry in. Buy one, get one free on long-lasting 10-year LED bulbs, now through Monday, only at your neighborhood Ace. See participating stores for details. All right, welcome to the show. This is Locked On Heat, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm Wes Goldberg here, as always, with David Romil. This was actually one of the more interesting games of the season. The Miami Heat beating the Washington Wizards 112-101, to improving to 8-17 on the season. The Heat have now swept the Wizards this season so far. But like I was saying, this, has been, this was actually... I think you and I had talked about what was it, after the Hawks game, I think, where we were like, oh my God, like the only reason we would watch that game is because we had to. This was probably the best, one of the better games of the night, and one of the rare, actually just interesting, good basketball games of the season for the Heat. Yeah, and, and moreover, the fact that they were able to do it at home, you know, I think they showed during the broadcast, Eric Spolster talking before the game about the fact that Miami's been able to have a higher level of energy when they've been traveling. Obviously, that hasn't been evident during the three game road trip. But, you know, for the most part, they've been better, at, you know, on road games than they have at home. But tonight they were able to match some of that high energy. And that's been a recurring theme in, in our discussions of late. The fact that, you know, we haven't seen much effort from guys like Whiteside and, and others. And, you know, obviously the injuries have taken their toll. But tonight was a night where they kind of flipped the switch a little bit. And uh, they were actually able to come out with some real nice energy and, and close out with that as well. Yeah, I love the intensity from the team everywhere. They seem to have... The, they were following the lead of Goran Dragic, of James Johnson, all guys that we want to talk about a little bit later. Uh, this was a game of runs for the most part. You know, the Wizards would get out to an eight-point lead. The Heat would get out to a six, seven, eight-point lead, and so on mm-hmm. and so forth. And the, Mi- and the Miami ended up getting the last run and ended up blowing the game open in the fourth quarter. And it was a situation where, you know, it was a close game in the first half, mm-hmm. and the Heat had shot 51% in the first half. And I thought that it would be a regression because Miami doesn't shoot 51%. And I thought there would be a regression, and there wasn't a regression. They shot 51% in the game. So they they, they kept shooting at that, that rate, which we can't expect every night. But when the ball—I thought that it wasn't just dumb luck either. I thought the ball was moving really crisp. I thought Josh McRoberts being in that starting unit, uh, he helped the ball movement a lot. Goran Dragic was as aggressive as ever. He mm. was helping everything. So I, I, I thought every— a lot of a lot of the guys were on the same page. They all were all really aggressive, and um, the defense started to get better as the game went on. Twenty five assists on forty five made field goals, so not a huge, you know, not an incredible mark there. But you know, obviously they were, as you pointed out, swinging the ball well. But I, I really liked the energy, particularly early on when, when it came to their rebounding. They they obliterated Washington in the rebound battle. 47 total rebounds to just 36 for the Wizards. Um, and, and they led with 11 offensive rebounds to just nine for Washington. So they, they were engaged in that regard. Um, Whiteside led all rebounders, obviously, with 16. Um, he was impressive. But early on, again, in that first quarter, you saw the first couple of plays as I was watching it, it, it really set the tone, I think. And you don't want to ever just look at that because, obviously, it's a 48-minute game and whatnot. But they were chasing after loose balls. 
creating multiple opportunities. They weren't even knocking down those particular shots, but the fact that they were going after it, maybe that was something that was really helping them to, to kind of figure out, hey, look, you know, we can do this despite the injuries, despite everything that's affecting this team. Uh, they seemed more willing and engaged than we've seen from them on, on, in the past few games, and so that was a, a really good sign. And like you said, it, it did continue all the way through. There were, you know, there were moments here and there, particularly when Goran Dragic got into some early foul trouble there in the third quarter, and you know, they they, they looked a little lackluster at times. But for the most part, I think their energy level was consistently high, and, and you know, Washington just couldn't keep up with it. Yeah, Dragic got that technical foul at the end of the game with for a shove on either Bradley Beal or Kelly Oubre. I'm not sure which which kind of shove that they called him on. Probably the Oubre one. It was the Oubre one, yeah. And it was an interesting one. I, I really like that play because it's a side of Dragic that we haven't seen. You know, we, Obviously, we, we've talked about in the past that he doesn't get a lot of respect from referees. But there was a point there when uh, uh, my, I think it was a Miami shot caromed off the rim. Wayne Ellington corralled it. And I'm trying to remember who it was. I guess it was Beal who dove to the floor to try and dislodge the ball. And then they called a foul on on Beal. But in the meantime, Ubre sliding along the baseline. He was right there along the edge of the painted area. He went to go after the ball after they had already called the foul on, on Beal. And then Dragic kind of dove in there and shoved Ubre out of the way. That's the second time I saw Ubre getting pushed out of the way. So despite his <laughs> height advantage over Dragic, he doesn't have the leg strength either. And he got shoved right out of there. And then – and. And unfortunately for Dragic, he had his leg tangled up in such a way with Ubre that's what caused the 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 you know the, him to fall like that, and they got tangled up, and then Ubre shoved him on the ground, and then when Dragic got up, of course being separated by James Johnson, uh, you know they kind of jotted each other, but Dragic didn't back down, and you heard the AAA crowd really cheering it. It was a really exciting moment, you know, kind of rallying behind a guy that you know hasn't always had the support, I think, especially from local fans and and national fans as well, but. Uh, you know, it was great to see him, you know, kind of saying, you know what, you're not going to intimidate me despite the, the eight inch height advantage. I'm, I'm going to step to you and I'm going to hold my ground. That was a good moment for him. The game was also played at a really fast pace. The pace here is 100.7, which is one of the wow. fastest games that you have played in almost four, uh, almost full uh, four full more possessions per 48 minutes than their pace. Uh, usually their Lots usual season, pace yeah. this season. Yeah, their average pace this season. So just a really, again, just an entertaining game. It was a lot of fun to watch. Um, and if you enjoy watching games, basketball games, how's this for a segue? SeatGeek is the smartest way to enjoy watching games in person. It's the easiest way hmm. to find tickets for any NBA or Miami Heat game that you want to see up close. This season, there's nothing like being in the arena for the biggest moments of the year. And with SeatGeek, it's never been easier to get the guaranteed seats that you want for great value. I have the SeatGeek app on my phone, and it's by far the easiest way I've found to shop for tickets. I can be anywhere, and with just a few taps, I can instantly find seats for this weekend or any game this season. With SeatGeek, you always get the best deal on every ticket because SeatGeek price compares for you by searching multiple ticket sites. Pricing can vary depending on where you shop, but SeatGeek will always find you the lowest available price. It does it by just putting up a big green dot. It's just color-coded. It's like when you were in kindergarten and you just like had to color in the... The boxes, you know? Oh, like, I skip kindergarten, actually. Oh, well, you're very smart. But um, it's, it's you know, just big green dot. You click on that, and you're like, okay, there you go. Spend money on this one. And SeatGeek wants to help you get the most bang for your buck. That's why every SeatGeek ticket is given a grade based on value. You'll immediately see any underpriced seats and be able to find the best deals that fit your budget. That's the big green dot I'm talking about. Yeah. Plus, every ticket you buy on SeatGeek is backed by their 100% guarantee. No fakes. So you can shop for tickets with confidence. 
Best of all, Locked On Heat listeners get a $20 rebate off their first SeatGeek purchase. How do you do that? Download the SeatGeek app, go to the settings tab, click add a promo code, enter the promo code LOHEAT, that's L-O-H-E-A-T, and SeatGeek will send you $20 after you've made your first ticket purchase. That's enough for a slice of pizza and a beer at the game. Download the SeatGeek app, enter the promo code LOHEAT today, get you 20 bucks after. Maybe maybe your girlfriend can use that to get Hamilton tickets. <laughs> We're gonna need that twenty dollars off. That's for sure. Yeah, five hundred minus twenty. I mean, that's I mean, that's a bargain right there. Uh, I, well, okay, I, the listeners may not care, but my girlfriend right now is in line online for in Hamilton tickets. In line online. Yeah, in line online. The virtual in line. Yeah. There we go. Yeah. I mean, she's probably just got a glass of wine just sitting there. Whatever. That's I think you need more than a glass if you're starting to get you know, Hamilton tickets for that price. But, well, you know, that $20 the whole, from probably got the whole bottle in front of her, and she's just to make sure she doesn't feel like, you know, an alcoholic. She pours it into the glass and then just chugs it and then pours another. And then, ah. um, anyway, yeah, she's online for Hamilton tickets because they're coming to San Francisco. And she texted me before we started recording that. She's like, would you pay $584 for a, seat, a ticket to see Hamilton? I was like, No. <laughs> No, nope, I hope she's using SeatGeek. She though. ought to I mean, be. <laughs> yeah. Oh, okay. Back to the game. I'm all stressed out. Um, so back to the game. This is now. I'm not stressed out. Let's. Uh, right. Gor- Goran Dragic, 34 points, his highest, uh, ever in a Miami Heat uniform. 23 yeah. field goal attempts, the most field goal attempts ever in a Miami Heat uniform for Goran. Yeah. Loved his game tonight. Yeah, he was he was absolutely sensational. I mean, early on, you could tell that he was kind of being aggressive with his shot, and despite the foul trouble, look, it's you know, John Wall, he was defending, and that's quite a, a you know a load to deal with. Absolutely. So it, it was you know obvious that he was going to get into foul trouble throughout various points of the night, and, and sure enough, it happened. But despite that, whenever he was in, it absolutely changed the tempo of the Heat. Uh, they were much more aggressive when he was in there. It was a, a dramatic difference when he was uh, when he was out of the game. Uh, but he, you know, he was really effective overall. Let me see here: two of five from three-point range, not great, but you know, enough and and to to really make a difference when those shots came in. And also, you know, he really hit them at really opportune moments. Fourteen made field goals—that's impressive. And look, only five assists for a guy that passes, you know, a little bit more frequently than Dragic does. He was actively looking for a shot, and you could tell that. But uh, he was aggressive, following the little scrum with Ubre. It looked like he was, you know, had a little edge to him, and he really hit a couple of shots there in clutch moments that really helped separate Miami from Washington late in the game. And I think that was a huge difference for him. Like he had sat out practically all of the third quarter, from what I'm seeing here. Yeah, he picked up his fourth foul with 10 minutes and 28 yeah. seconds left in the third. So he was taken out almost immediately after halftime. And it was really unfortunate because, like I said, he was a huge difference maker in their offense. And uh, He was able to play so almost you the entire not... fourth quarter. So that might, yes, that was yes, almost the benefit of that, right? Because Dragic, he ended up scoring 13 points in the fourth quarter. And we've talked about this whole season, who's the guy that's going to step up in the fourth for the Heat? Right. And for the most part, it was Dragic. And another guy who did step up was James Johnson. I do want to talk to him about him in a little bit. But right. Dragic, 13 points in the fourth quarter. So he enters the fourth quarter with 21, finishes with 34. I mean, that's that's a fanta- That's exactly what the Heat need from that guy. And I'm okay with him only getting five assists. It's about two, oh, yeah. two assists shy of his average, right? And it's like, well, because right. he was feeling it tonight. And I'd, you mentioned going against John Wall. I do want to compare stats briefly. Because sure. a lot of people look at John Wall, a lot of Heat fans look at John Wall as a, as unhappy in Washington. 
a trade know, option, yeah. As a trade option. I mean, he goes he scores 30 points on 12 of 26 field goals, made one of his five three-pointers, six rebounds, eight assists, and uh four turnovers. Dragic, 34 points, 14 of 23 compared to Wall's 12 of 26, made two of his five three-pointers, five rebounds, five assists, and only had three turnovers. So outplayed Wall while having to defend John Wall. I thought that was a it was an obviously a very great all-around performance by Dragic. And now probably as Heat fans thinking, you know what? Whatever it would have taken to get John Wall, if it would have taken Goran Dragic and Justice Winslow to get John Wall, not worth it. Not worth it. And I wonder though, I, I don't know if that's actually going to be the case because I think you know, there's a tendency amongst Heat fans, given the success of the last 21 years of Pat Riley's tenure, to, to attract and lure and, 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 you know, acquire big names, either via trades or free agency. And so clearly John Wall is a bigger name. And I think if you asked NBA fans across the country or the world whether or not John Wall is a better player, I think most people would probably agree that's Absolutely. the case. But, yeah. but you know, he, he does show different flashes of, of athleticism than Dragic. But there's just, I mean, to me, again, I, I've really enjoyed appreciating Dragic this season, the nuances of his games, the way he absorbs and, and sometimes forces contact when he's driving to the hoop. His downhill game has been as, more aggressive than I've ever seen it. Um, I think he's been sensational. I think his shooting has been a real plus this season. And again, you know, it's tough to, to focus on positives or to harp on those and, and focus on individual, you know, things like this in the midst, midst of, of team or lack of or lack of team success. But you know, I think he's been a real plus for the team. And, and uh, it's interesting. I, you know, I, I wound up doing the same thing that you were just pointing out, looking at Wall and wondering, is this the guy that Miami is going to target? But then the other guy that I was actually looking at, Bradley Beal, mm. uh, he had a huge game for Washington, 29 points, 11 of 20 overall, just two of eight from three-point range. But, uh, I mean, he, he looked like he was really aggressive, come back from injury, I think, and Obviously, that's the concern, but I think that was a name that a lot of people in Miami were also interested in. Obviously, he fills a hole at the shooting guard position, so um, I, I don't know what it would take to acquire a guy like him, and I don't know if there'd be any, but you know, obviously, there's been some reported tension that's probably been a little exaggerated between him and Wall, and you wonder whether or not, in the midst of a losing season, whether or not it's it's better for them to kind of part ways with him or something like that. He did play at the University of Florida, even though I think they mentioned he was from St. Louis, so it's not like he's a local kid or anything right. like that, but... He might be willing to, to to find a you know greener pastures and it would it would require Miami and Washington to work out a trade and they're in the same division. That I don't I don't Seems know unlikely. how much they're going to be switching stars. Like would they trade Whiteside for Beal or something like that? Like I I don't see something like that happening. But I do I, to go back to Dragic though. One of the things I noticed two things really. Uh, the first mm-hmm. one in the first quarter. I thought both teams really exchanged blows a lot. It ended up being I think Washington led. I have it right here. Washington led the first quarter 29 to 28 after the first quarter. All right. All right. So really just a, clo- a very, very close game in that first period. Both teams really kind of switching blows. I thought Washington's offense was better than Miami's offense, but Miami was better defensively. They were a little bit more balanced. Mm-hmm. But the pace automatically started in that first period um, with – with both teams kind of, they'll they would score, and then the other team would just get down the court really quick, and and either score in like semi transition, transition, or even after a made basket, the other team would go down the other side of the floor really quickly, almost like a like the, a, the defense would break down, right. and the other side would get there. And I think you know the pace started picking up that way, 
and you could see Dragic starting to pick up his game because he had a he was really effective throughout the whole game. It wasn't like he just was great in the fourth quarter or whatever. Like he was really effective in the first half. You know, got a big part of those twenty one points. He finished with eighteen points in the first half, so he had a really great first half. And you can kind of see him getting going early because he looked at that and he was like, "Oh, this is how that game's going to be played." And I thought he kind of got going, and that's kind of what got him to get aggressive. That was the first part. The the second part was in the fourth quarter when Whiteside sat out. Willie Reed didn't have a great game. I think the Heat have basically decided that McRoberts is a power forward, at least with the with the injuries that this team has right now. McRoberts right now is a power forward, so they bring James Johnson in at center yeah. because Adonis Haslam wasn't going to be able to play. Uh, Haslam wasn't going to be able to play in this game. The game was moving way too fast for him. Right. So they put. I think Spolster made a great coaching decision by putting James Johnson back at center. Something that we saw earlier in the year, but haven't seen so much recently. Puts James yeah, Johnson small back lineup, in at center. Right? Super small. And yeah, Wayne Ellington, Tyler Johnson, Rodney McGruder, and James Johnson. I mean, exactly. That's, that's really smallish with Dragic. Uh, and yeah. and I thought that really got the pace going as well. And Dragic, this is in the fourth quarter. Dragic got most of his thirteen points in that time. I thought you know what that allowed the Heat to do. James Johnson was bringing the ball up the floor and then right. setting screens and doing all these things. It opened up so much of what they wanted to do offensively and opened up so much space for Goran Dragic. I right. love the way that the offense worked in that way when they go small with Whiteside off the court. And that's not – I really don't want that to turn into a trade Whiteside thing. I'm just right. saying, like, if that's going to be in small doses for, I don't know, six, eight, ten minutes a game, I'm all right. in. Well, it, look, you know, obviously, I mean, you don't want to make a comparison because I'm, I'm not even doing that. But I, I mean, worth a, an example, everybody talks about Golden State's death lineup from last season, and everything else. It's not like that lineup was starting games or anything like that or playing a substantial amount of minutes. It just when Steve Kerr or, or Luke Walton used it sparingly, it was extremely, extremely effective and nobody yeah, had a counter for it. They played it 10 to 12 minutes a game. It right. wasn't like it wasn't. Yeah. The dominant lineup or anything like that. But, you know, that's the kind of thing that we haven't seen, you know, too much from Spolstra. He was able to mix and match. Again, he hasn't been able to because so many players have been injured. It, it, it kind of limits your options when you're going with an eight-man rotation. And, you know, three of those players might be playing like garbage that particular night. You know, when you got guys like Babbitt and Derek Williams struggling to hit a shot, there's only so much you can do with them. But I was really interested. I don't know if you noticed this. They were setting screens for James Johnson, not just having him screen, you know, provide the screens, but also screening yes. for him. I saw Goran Dragic do it once, and then the next play, Tyler Johnson did it. And both of yes. them, the first one uh, on the pick-and-roll situation, uh, James Johnson got to the line. He was fouled at the hoop. And then in the following one, he got a, a layup. And when he came around, Markeith Morris was mm-hmm. was pitiful in his uh, you know, screen uh, defense. And he stayed with the, 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 the screener rather than switch on to the roll man. And James Johnson was able to get past him on both occasions to get to the hoop. So it was an interesting play call there. I don't think we'd seen that before, but I, I might be wrong. that I hadn't noticed it prior, but it was a really interesting switch. And again, this is something that we've been missing over the last few games. James Johnson with his incredible ball handling, his ability to get to the hoop. He finished with a nice dunk at one point, too. I mean, he just the, added a dynamic that there was, was one, He was playing center and then bringing the ball up the court at the beginning yeah. of the fourth quarter. I mean, it, there was one play where he got the rebound, brought the ball up the court, uh, gave it off to, I think, Tyler Johnson, set right. the screen for Tyler Johnson, 
rolls to the rim. Tyler passes it to James Johnson. James Johnson finishes at the rim. That's insane. That is so many things that he did. I mean, that's the stuff that you see Draymond Green do. That's the thing that, quite frankly, you see LeBron James do. I know the Miami Herald's Manny Navarro actually tweeted, you know, James Johnson does have a little bit of LeBron in him for whatever that's worth. And I agree. I think physically they're very, they're both very imposing uh, James Johnson is a black belt. We can't mention that enough. That is very important for basketball players. Uh, <laughs> it's like you can see physically that he can he can run the floor. He can pound the ball. He can rebound. I mean, he could do. I don't want to say he could do everything because he's a role player, but he's so versatile. He's having the best season best season of his career in all in in, in most uh, aspects Category. of the game. Yeah. yeah. I really like him, man. Oh, I, I found myself thinking the exact same thing. I know we addressed it in a recent, I think it was our last mailbag, not this week, but the previous week when somebody asked us about players that are in short-term deals and who we'd like to add. Obviously, we didn't think that either Dion uh, or or or, uh, or Derek Williams would stick around, although Dion does have an option that he can, you know, a player option on his two-year deal. But, you know, obviously Johnson – um, it, it has been such a great find, and he's likely to command a lot of money as a free agent. Unfortunately, this uh, at this postseason or this offseason, right. but uh, you know he, he's been a great addition. You know, nobody expected this. You know when you when you did your podcast weeks ago with the Lockdown Raptors team, you know they obviously didn't expect that to be the case. Um, I don't think anybody did. You know as much as a, a cult following that he had with the Raptors, nobody expected. Him. I think most people thought he was washed. Toronto would just, love a player like James Johnson right now. <laughs> Yeah. irony of ironies, right? Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's uh, it's it's something. You know, he, he's he's just been great. I mean, his his versatility. Yeah, obviously, we're not comparing him to Draymond Green or you know as far as his overall production. But even though we are there's, a bit. <laughs> there's <laughs> a benefit of having a guy like that. We haven't had a guy like that since the big three. Or we saw shades of it last season with Luol Deng, and we talked about this in our, our last podcast. And, and Rick Roberts is adding that kind of dimension, too. Like, you know, seeing them both provide the one-two punch, it's a big difference from where we were at the start of the season when the power forward position was arguably our weakest. It might still be the case, but it's getting significantly better, I think. Yeah, I mean, you mentioned Rick Roberts. This, we had joked about the power forward belt becoming the power forward participation trophy. And... <laughs> And there is this for the first time all season. Really, this is our, our first time that there's a real battle for the power forward belt. James Johnson versus McRoberts. McRoberts had a nice game, and we he talked did. about getting rid of the power forward belt. And you guys did write in. And I think what we're going to decide and is that if there is a change or a noteworthy thing to talk about, it we'll bring back the belt. But it's probably not going to be a pod to pod basis. It'll be okay. like okay, so you will carry the belt until somebody grabs it from you, and at which point we will announce it via podcast. But McRoberts, we have a decision to make tonight. McRoberts, 18 minutes, 7 points, 8 rebounds, 5 assists, just 1 turnover, made 3 of his 8 field goals, hit 1 of his 3 three-pointers. Really good all-game nice for McRoberts. And a nice dunk. He, I even wrote, and I wrote this down because McRoberts got off to a hot start as well as James Johnson Ooh. finished the game. McRoberts got off to a really hot start, 6 rebounds in the first 5.5 minutes, was really helping to move the ball. And five assists, a couple of those assists, at least from my own official account, were to Whiteside on the pick and roll. Very valuable assists. Yes, absolutely. Um, It's tough because, again, you look at the number of minutes and you wonder whether or not if he had played the same amount of time as Johnson, whether or not he would have had 
you know, the same kind of production, same kind of numbers, but, you know, obviously we can't make that comparison, but he had a, a great game. And you start to wonder whether or not he's finally earning the contract that so many players blasted Pat Riley for or so many fans blasted Riley mm-hmm. for over the last couple of seasons, you know. And, you know, this is why perhaps they haven't been able to make a trade. Maybe they did include him in trade talks. Nobody's ever confirmed that, obviously. Um, you know, nobody wanted McRoberts allegedly, but the reality is that the team had faith in him, you know, when they first signed him and they thought he was going to be the kind of player that we're finally starting to see. And, and he's made a huge impact. I mean, it, it just adds another dimension that's been missing. And I think, uh, you know, we saw that tonight, his rebounding, his length, he was able to guard bigger players. He switched on to, you know, the Markeith Morris. He was also guarding Gortat at times. I saw him switching on to smaller guards. He, he has he doesn't have that kind of mobility where you do it often. He's not Kawhi Leonard, but by the same token, he's he's not bad overall. I think we've seen some plus things from him, and and offensively, he's just again been a spark. Any other notes before we wrap this thing up? No, I think that pretty much sums it up. Uh, I was concerned because Wayne Ellington looks like he's taking a, a little bit of a step back, and and you know we talked about it when he first started getting hot. And, and hitting those three-point shots, that the spacing that he provides, the threat of a, of a three-pointer, provides more value sometimes in the three-pointer itself. So I'm not down on Ellington just yet, but it's clear that he's kind of forcing it a little bit. You know, some of those shots were at the end of the shot clock, and he kind of had to hoist them up, being Miami's best shooter on the floor. But two of nine from three-point range, three of 11 overall for 11 points. I will not say this about game. Ellington, though. He did. Yes, you're right. He only he struggled two and nine from three point range, but he did get five assists and he had two steals in the game. Yeah, I thought he made it a very positive impact outside of not shooting well, and and he's got the green light. And look, I mean, this isn't Steph Curry. It's not Clay Thompson. It's not Ray Allen that we're talking about. This is Wayne Ellington. I mean, he's a journeyman for a reason, and he's right. not gonna be hot every night. But he's still one of Miami's best three point shooters, if not their best three point shooter. He still provides a ton of spacing. I thought that they didn't really get him a, the the ball in great spots. I thought his first three pointer was kind of out of rhythm. I thought uh, there was a number of times where maybe Dragic didn't, not to take anything away from Dragic's game, but there's a few drive and kick passes that I noticed mm-hmm. that were a little low for Ellington, and he mm-hmm. and he put them up anyway because he's got that green light, and they didn't go in because it's so out of rhythm. It's hard to take take that low pass and put it up for a three pointer. Uh, so not to take. I don't want to, you know, take any blame off of Ellington, but there were some weird things going on. I thought they were some of the shots were a little out of the rhythm, but really, that that to me, having the five assists and two steals when you know that you're not shooting well, says a lot. Especially if you're Ellington, you have this starting position for right now. Right. If you're able to do that, that provides a reason to stay as a starter because even if you're sure. not shooting well, you can at least affect the game positively in other ways. Josh Richardson also had a, a pretty decent game overall, finishing mm-hmm. with 10 points in, in 29 minutes, 4 of 7 overall, 2 of 3 from 3-point three range, 3 rebounds, 3 assists, and 1 steal. Starting to work his way back, and you could see that. <clears throat> and think in the first half, he looked a little tentative, particularly as a ball handler, like, like he almost didn't want the ball in his hands. But I think – I may have misread this, but I, I think some of the players were even kind of telling him – I think it was actually James Johnson, to be honest with you. I know we've talked about his leadership in the past – but I think that he kind of told Josh, no, no, bring the ball up. This is It's in your hands now. You initiate the offense. And that kind of got him going in the second half a little bit. And I think that translated into his shot making as well. So a, a good bounce back game for him for, you know, considering he's missed so many so many games with, due to injury. Between James Johnson, Tyler Johnson, Josh Richardson, 35 points off the bench between those three guys. Solid production. 
solid. I mean, Willie Reed had was the other guy off the bench. He was a minus ten in five minutes. So he <laughs> just one point, right? Yeah, and just one point. So not a great game for Willie Reed, but I don't think this was the matchup for him. I thought it was a tough matchup. I like Willie Reed. I just thought this was a tough matchup for him. Yeah. Um. All right. Well, I think that's all we have, right? Yeah, absolutely. Okay, cool. Let's wrap it up. All right. Thank you to SeatGeek, the friendliest and smartest, friendliest and smartest way to buy and sell tickets. Use the promo code LOHEAT to get $20 after your first SeatGeek purchase. Whether you're listening on iTunes, Google Play, or Stitcher, thank you for listening. Get in touch with the show on Twitter at LockedOnHeat or by email, where you can send us mailbag questions, comments, or sponsorship opportunities. That's LockedOnHeat at gmail.com. And if you aren't subscribed already, please do so to get the podcast automatically every day. And then go to iTunes and leave us a review. It helps our position on the iTunes charts, helps other people discover the show. And if you don't want to use the internet to help people discover the show, just tell a friend about the show. It's called Locked on Heat. They should subscribe too. All right. Thanks for joining me, David. You got it, Wes. Hey, it's Wes again. I wanted to tell you about the Monday Morning Heat Check. Would you enjoy getting a small email, a newsletter from me every Monday morning? where I share the best stories and digital content about the Miami Heat from the week before and for the week ahead. Just a little something to keep you up to speed. There'll be exclusive content from me as well, opinions, analysis, etc., and a few other surprises that I'm still working on along the way. Again, just a little something for you every Monday morning. So if that's something you're interested in, just go to tinyurl.com slash mondaymorningheatcheck. That's tinyurl.com slash mondaymorningheatcheck and drop in your email. It's that easy. Spring? Is that you? Warmer temps mean new Allbirds styles. Meet the Super Light Collection, the lightest ever shoes from Allbirds, now in fresh colors. They've designed must-have travel styles for when you need to jet. The lighter-than-air feel and barely-there fit makes these shoes some of the most packable styles ever. That means more comfort and less baggage. Take the Super Light Tree Runner on your next adventure. Its cushy, lightweight foam midsole supports every step, and the extra outsole traction gives you the grip to just go for it. The eucalyptus fiber upper adds next-level breathability to keep you going all day. Plus, the Superlight Tree Runner is comfortable and ready to go right out of the box. So, what can you do in a Superlight shoe? What can't you do is the better question. And because they're super packable, the real question is, where are you taking them? Experience how Allbirds redefines comfort. Visit Allbirds.com and use code SUPER24 for a free pair of socks with a purchase of $48 or more. That's A-L-L-B-I-R-D-S dot com, code SUPER24.